and you'll be able to catch up. God has given us a word for this year, and it's a word, disciple. And uh, as we're moving in that direction, the, word, the series name God gave for this year, is for this season, is Hustle and Flow. And you might be thinking, partial judgmental, he's like, what kind of ungodly name is that for a church series? You can take it up with God. But we want God's flow in our lives. But we need to hustle. We need to work hard in studying the Word of God. We need to work hard in intentionally seeking Him. Because He has supernatural favor. This whole hustle and flow is all about supernatural favor. But it doesn't come automatically. It takes sacrifice. It takes works. Some part of God's instruction is easy. But some parts of God's instruction, oh, it's mighty hard. And sometimes we just don't want to listen to it. We'd rather just try to make up excuses to, oh, but I did this, so I should be okay with that. Or it's just a little bit of this, but I did a little bit of more. I showed up at 8 o'clock to serve, so God, it should be okay that I did a little bit of fraud and a little bit of theft and a little bit of speeding. Hey, speeding is also breaking the law. Ouch, that hurts me too. And lying, and lying to the police, that's also a lie too. That, that's bad too. So, Hustle and flow. God wants us to hustle so we can flow. God doesn't want us to cherry pick what we're going to obey in His commands. Because obedience is the hustle that enables God's favor to flow in our lives. I want our church to be passionate about obeying what Jesus said. I want us to not just be like, oh, pastor said, oh, I have to do this. Oh, my gosh. God is always killing my fun. No. I want us to be a church that is passionate about obeying the one whom we are surrendered to. People should see your surrender and see who you are surrendered to clearly without you having to convince them. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then they're shocked after that. Really? Oh, when unbelievers have to correct us and be like, oh, aren't you a Christian? That's like the worst correction ever when unbelievers have to come and be like, yeah, that's, you're right. So let our passion demonstrate who we are surrendered to. Because His love is not based on our obedience. I don't want you to think that, oh, Pastor D is preaching about performance now, like we have to perform and like have, no, I'm not talking about performance. God's love for you is not based on performance. It's settled. He loves you unconditionally just the way you are. You don't ever have to do anything. He loves you. You, you, you. you want to obey Him because of His love. You want to serve Him because of His love that He lavished upon you. Not to get, his, get Him to love you, but because He already loves you. Can He say this morning, Lord, thank You for loving me. Thank You. Oh, come on, church. We're a loud, rowdy church. God! Yeah, Lord! Sound like a little cowboyish. Yeah, boy! He loves me already. I don't have to do anything to earn His love. And I want us to experience a supernatural flow in a fresh way in this year, in 2023. But because of that, I got to hustle in my obedience so that I can flow in a supernatural favor. The title for today's message, it's not, it's not No Signal. I almost fell over that. The title for today's message is See What God Can Do Through You. Tell your neighbor, see what God can do through you.
Have you ever wondered what it would look like, feel like, if you were flowing fully in God's supernatural favor? What would that look like? Because we brought our hustle, what would it look like? God says, I'm opening the supernatural favor for you. Like from now on, it's like 100% supernatural. How would that be like? All of our imagination will be like different because all of us are created uniquely and differently. And so you're, you're picturing something that is different, what it might feel like, look like. And so I want to illustrate that, that supernatural favor based on one Bible story. And what's amazing about this Bible story is that it's the only Bible story that all four writers of the gospel, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all write about this. Some of the other stories, not, not all of them cover it, but here all four of them cover this one miracle. So I think that should be important, that all four of them thought it's important that we record this. And this is the, this is the story that, they, that all four of them talk about. And that's in John chapter 6. If you got your Bibles or your Bible app, you can turn to John chapter 6. I'm not sure if you'll get the lyrics up, but... But this story talks about experiencing God's flow, not just in our lives, but through our lives. And that's the point I want to talk about today. How God wants to move, not only in our lives, but through our lives. Jesus doing public ministry for three and a half years. Now people come and deny, oh, Jesus was just a fairy tale. It's, just fa- it's, it's not fact, it's just fables. But how can just pretend? A man who lived uh, on this earth for 33 and a half years and did public ministry for three and a half years, how could a person impact generations and centuries? That's humanly not possible. Like even logically, it doesn't make sense, how, how, make sense how somebody who lived three and a half years doing public ministry could impact the world forever. Right there tells you how legit Jesus is. So Jesus is doing his public ministry for three and a half years. He was out hustling. And he's working hard for the kingdom. And he's popular. You know these politicians, they have high rating, uh, popularity rating, and low popularity. You know, some churches even do uh, approval rating for the pastor. <laughs> the other day I was talking to somebody, and they're like, yeah, this new pastor's got the highest approval rating. Uh, I'm like, who approved? Who the, the church for, fills out a survey. I hope you guys like me. Even if you don't like me, I'm still the pastor here, so... <laughs> Your approval rating doesn't mean anything to me. I want you to love me for who I am and who I am to you. Amen? Amen. So, but anyway, Jesus' approval rating was skyrocketing in this story in John 6. But there were times where his approval rating was really low. You know what? So low that they crucified him. So don't base your life value on people's opinion. One moment they'd be like, oh, you're the best. Oh my gosh. You know, I'm like, okay. Because the next moment they were like the total opposite. Careful with people that gossip with you because they will gossip about you in the next minute. I never put up with uh, gossip because if people come and gossip with me, I will just be like, how long it's going to be before you start gossiping about me? Ain't nobody got time for that. So, John chapter 6, verse 1. John chapter 6, verse 1 from NLT translation, which stands for Next Level Translation. All right, from verse 1. Here we go. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. 
because he saw because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Verse 5. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Do you think Jesus doesn't know? Sometimes Jesus friendly trickery. What do you think? We'll see how. And, and, and then Philip's like, so here, Jesus was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Verse 7, Philip replied, even if we worked for a month, wow, such positivity. Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five loaves, with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good, another positive comment, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Don't you love hanging around with these kinds of toxic people? Jesus did, so there's hope for you and me. Verse 10, tell everyone to sit down. Look at the strategic, systematic pattern. He said to sit down. So they all sat down on grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000 people. So can we imagine, it wasn't just men there. There was wives. Children, cats, dogs, many other things maybe. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. Every, sorry, after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten them uh, from the five barley loaves. Verse 14. When the people saw him do this miracle, miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he's the prophet we have been expecting. How many of you like ordinary? How many of you like to meal prep the same food the whole week? And you eat the same food every day. How many of you like ordinary? Your husband comes to you and is like, Let's do something ordinary. There's a there's an ordinary hotel over there. Uh, let's book six months ahead. Oh, there's an ordinary restaurant. Let's go line up for no reason. How many of you like ordinary? Most of us don't, do we? We like change. We like variety. We like to do new and different things. And culturally, we don't like ordinary. We just, we, we like even our drinks. Some of you, Starbucks drinks. Oh my goodness. Skinny white latte with salty caramel sprinkled with cinnamon and a splash of whipped cream and fruit salad on top. Like, it is ridiculous. I'm like, how do you even discover this? It's not in the menu. Oh, and lactose free and gluten free and fat free and vegetarian, please. What's your name, ma'am? <laughs> Oh, you, you, you can actually do that. Okay. But we don't like ordinary. And because uh, ordinary is only going to get you two likes on your Instagram. Your ordinary car is only going to get three likes. Your or I'm just walking to work. I don't know why people take selfies. Like, like it's not even creative. They just take selfies and they put it on the Instagram. Like you, you look at their whole wall. It's just their face. 
Just me, I'm walking now. Just me, I'm driving now. Oh, just me sipping my coffee now. Just me putting on socks. My, my sister got me special socks. It, one says L for left, and the other one says R for right. So I don't get confused in the morning. Which sock goes on with? Isn't that the worst thing? Like you put on your socks and it's like curving to the opposite side of your toes. But we like to just, like we, 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 we want different because ordinary is not appealing. Ordinary is not attractive. There's another four letter word starting with S. I'm not going to say it because it's an ungodly word. Ordinary is not attractive. Ordinary is just normal. It's boring. Parts of your home that are ordinary, you despise it. Like you don't even go to that. Then you hang a picture in your room or in your part of your house. You put a picture or you put a little thing and you're like, wow, it's, it's, it's fly now. Let me take a picture. And you put it up on Instagram and then like two people like it. But for you, it's like, wow, I'm extraordinary. Look at my picture frame, crooked picture frame. I'm Martha Stewart all of a sudden. It's ordinary. And if we're honest, most of us resent ordinary part of our, part of our lives and we don't like it. And uh, we look at other friends and we're like, man, I wish I could just be like them. I wish I could just do like what they're doing and own what they own and work where they work. And... But it's ordinary. And we, we judge ourselves. Man, if I can just go on vacation like they do and have all these events after events, then my, then my life would be sick. So for, for those who are older, like sick means good. Like when young people say it's sick, it means good. And when they say wicked, that means blessed. And when they say they're down, hey, I'm down, that doesn't mean they're depressed. And when they say, hey, uh, I'm up, doesn't mean they're high. And uh, anyway, I'll stop there. I just go to work. I just go, I, I just go to school. I'm just an Uber driver for my kids. I'm just, that's my ordinary life. You know, I'm also a plumber, not by choice. I'm a toilet cl- fixer, a cleaner too, because some people don't have aim. Uh, you know, the. <laughs> and uh, pasta sauce bottle opener, that's also my job at, at home. It's ordinary. But the problem is, a lot of us overlook the power of ordinary. I'm saying all of this to bring you to this point that we overlook the power of the ordinary. I need you to understand something about the way God operates and it's in this idea of hustle and flow. Every area of your life, there's ordinary parts and God wants to do something in there. God's flow, write this down. God's flow often starts in the ordinary. You don't need T.D. Jakes to lay hands on you and bless you and you fall down and roll around down the stairs for you to start your ministry. God's flow often starts in the ordinary. Everybody say ordinary. The flow that God brings. Oh man, I just wish, you know how I would love to flow in God's, uh, uh, what, what God's flow is and in every area of my life. I want God to flow in my family. I want God to flow in my ministry, in my finances. God's flow often starts in the ordinary. Even in the story in John 6, we see a lot of ordinary things going on, full of normal people doing normal stuff, but yet there's something extraordinary that's happening. 
So this miracle is unique because it's probably 20,000 plus people. And like I said, this is the only story mentioned in all four of the Gospels. So this is a crucial story. And many of you that know me for, for a long time, you know that I love the story. And, and I, I preached about this with, with different points. But today I'm taking a totally different approach because this is such a crucial thing that we need to understand. There's something ordinary that's happening, but God is setting it up to do something extraordinary. It's extraordinary, but it starts with the ordinary. So Jesus is, is really popular. He's walking around doing uh, miracles and, and normal things. And then he's famous. So like TMZ and ET is all following him and he's got this crowd and that's normal to him. He was teaching, he was healing. That's normal to him. God wants us to flow supernaturally normal. That it's not just a Sunday thing that you can pray. You can pray every day and see breakthrough and answer prayers. Hallelujah. God is ready, but we think it's just ordinary. And so here, Jesus' disciples are around, but they don't get it. Like how frustrating, frustrating would that be? They're walking and seeing first time what Jesus is doing, but they don't always get it. They don't understand who Jesus is. So there was this normal need. The people were hungry. They were with Jesus the whole day. It's probably getting late now. People are hungry. And some of us, when we get hungry, what do we get? We get hangry. Like hangry hippos. Like, give me food now. My mood is not normal. My attitude will not be normal. You got to feed me. That's how the people were. They were there for a long time. They've been with Jesus and seen Him teach and heal. They followed him all day. Now they hungry, like starving, hungry hippos. But what's interesting is that in that time, in, that, in those days, people didn't eat till their stomachs were full. Hunger was a normal part of their day. It wasn't something like, like in today's day. They very rarely ate till they were full. So it's very profound that John decides to mention that, that point here. That all these people ate, not the way they normally eat, but they actually ate until they were full. In other words, they ate so much after the miracle, they're saying, I'm full. Me belly full, kasmi niam bulupi, food, this eviling. I got no, no, none of my Caribbean members here today. Brother, where are you from? Not, not. I thought he said Canada. <laughs> Kenya. But you guys don't have this accent, right? Listen, I do my research and I do my accents, but sometimes... My, me belly full cast me niambulipi fish this evening. Me kian. That's how they were feeling. That's a me belly full me kian. Me belly full cast me niambulipi food this evening. Me kian. This ordinary boy brings his ordinary lunch. Maybe he thought for himself, I'm going to eat this a bit later. Or maybe he was an entrepreneur and he's like, I'm going to start a food truck. And when people follow Jesus, I'm going to try selling them food at higher prices. <coughs> like the OG food truck. But there was something extraordinary that, that happened based on this little boy's 
little obedience. There's ordinary everywhere, but one little bit of extraordinary. Because this little boy had faith to believe that his little lunch in the hands of Jesus, that Jesus would do something. That God could do something through him. Through this ordinary act of giving it, placing it in the hands of Jesus. So this story in John 6 is about ordinary plus faith. Say after me, ordinary plus faith. Not ordinary faith. You got to take ordinary plus faith. Even your faith in Jesus right now, your salvation is extraordinary because God did something supernatural in your heart for you to even believe in Jesus. God already, so you might be like, God did nothing supernatural in my life. He did. By you believing in Jesus, that was a supernatural thing that God did. So this boy took this ordinary action. He took this ordinary situation. But what was added to it was faith. He had faith enough to believe that maybe Jesus can do something through the ordinary thing that he has. Today I want to tell you, no matter how old you are, how young you are, what ethnicity you're in, maybe you're from Canada or Kenya or Caribbean or Sri Lanka, wherever, whatever age you're at, whatever your reputation is, whatever your mobility is, whatever your limitation is, it, limitation is, it doesn't matter. Tell your neighbor, it don't matter. Because this is what's true about all of us. We all carry something that we think is ordinary. Just me. Just small. What I got is, is this, we all have our own lunch. We all walk through life carrying something ordinary. It's just, I'm just going to get my lunch. It's in here. It's, it's, it's nothing fancy. It looks childish, actually. I just have my mutton roll and my kothuruti, of course. This is just my lunch. It's, it's, it's not a big deal. But this boy thought God could take this and do something extraordinary. I'm wondering, what is your lunch? What is that thing that you think is so small it's not special? What do you think? What is that thing that you think there's not much me or God can do about this? But what was special is about what God could, could do through the ordinary. Something ordinary to us. Something normal to us. What is that thing that you undervalue? That it's so small and insignificant that you feel like I don't even recognize it. For example, let me give you some example. Some of you are so good with people that people actually like you in real life. Like not just online. They actually like you in real life. Like they like your company. Like you're so good with people. You got great interpersonal skills. You have empathy. That's a gift. That, that, that people like you. That's not normal. Yeah, and you be like, everybody likes everybody. Like everybody's no, I can tell you people that don't like people. It's a gift that you have. God has gifted you with influence. That's your lunch. Some of you are good with admin skills. Please do not come with me. Come to me with administrative challenges. Because I will be like, talk to Pastor Aaron. Some of you are good with admin skills. Like you have folders, four folders, color-coded. Some of you are so organized. Your closet is colored, color-schemed and like rainbow-colored. I went to this one guy's house and he opened his closet. I'm like, wow! You're a guy and your shirt is not on the floor. It's clean, ironed, by colors. I'm so impressed. 
Some of you have problem-solving skills. And you think everyone is like that. No, you have a gift. What is that gift? What is that thing that is natural to you? You are gifted. That's your lunch. It's this ordinary thing that you have that you carry around, but you haven't even valued it. You haven't even noticed it. It may be a resource. Maybe God has blessed you with money or some different talent. It's, that's your lunch. Or connection or knowledge or understanding. Or you know what your lunch could be? Your pain from your past. What you've learned through hard situation, through difficulty from your past. God has healed you now, but your perspective gives you wisdom. That's your lunch. And, and your, your pain has produced compassion. So people can come to you in a safe environment and they can share with you and you can have compassion and give them wisdom. You're relatable. You're helpful. And now it's just a lunch you carry. It's normal to you. And you think, That's, everybody's got that. Everybody, nothing special about me. The problem is we don't see how God could use this lunch because it's just normal to us. And we expect God to flow in our lives and we always think it's outside of us. One day, when T.D. Jakes comes to me, I'll put his hands on me, I'll put the anointing oil, T.D. Jakes, you know T.D. Jakes? Who do you know? Who's a famous preacher you know? <laughs> I put the anointing oil, and he says, get ready, get ready, get ready. And you fall, then my ministry will start. No. Then only I will start. Then I will do something for God. Then I will obey. When that happens, then, that's just an excuse. You're just buying time with the excuses. God wants you to use your lunch bag and do something about it now. Because that's a, it's a hustle and flow with what you've got right now. So we bring what we have, then we watch God do what only He can do. And that's where faith comes in because it takes faith to believe God can use our ordinary. And if you saw ahead of time what God was going to do through you, I don't know how many of us will feel overwhelmed or prideful. Like, I'm so glad that God only shows us, most of the time, bite-sized. Like, if God shows you the great things you're going to be doing in five years or ten years, you'll be like... Listen, listen, Dines. In 10 years, you know what I'm going to be because God showed me how extraordinary I am. No. We will be so prideful. We'll be, uh, there's a name for that, conceited. Constipated and conceited. <laughs> you know what I'm going to be? Like, it is so entertaining when I sit with some people that are so prideful and they're like, I could be this and that. But then they're so broken. They're like, I'm like, why don't you do something now so you don't have to be in such a... And that's why God shows us little, but as we obey, He reveals. Just like Abraham, as Abraham obeyed, God shows. God tells Abraham, go to the mountain. And Abraham is like, which mountain? God is like, don't worry, just go, I'll show you on the way. And many of us control freaks don't like that. I need to know. God is keeping us humble so that He can use us, so that He can elevate us, so He can trust us. And God doesn't need something extraordinary from you. He is in you and He is extraordinary. You have more than enough. Come on. He is in you. What He needs is from you is that you submit your ordinary to Him. 
that seemingly insignificant, insignificant thing that you, that you think, it's so easy for us to undervalue what we have. Oh my goodness. All the excuses and all the insecure. Oh, I'm not, I'm not that talented as that person. Oh, I, I'm not, I'm, I can't. So I'm just going to wait until I develop. Then I'll start serving God. I'm just a student. I just work part time. I just have little money. But the, I, I, and the little money that I give to church or the little time that I give to serve in church is probably insignificant. No, that's not the way God sees it. God sees it as you being faithful, as you being a good steward. It's your lunch. It's what you have right now. Write this down. God meets extraordinary needs through ordinary means. Did you get that? God meets extraordinary needs through ordinary means. And so Jesus uses this event to test his disciples, but he already knows what he's going to do. So it's a teaching point, teaching purpose, and he's wondering if his disciples really get him or not. I want you to understand that God wants to use you in your circumstance to do something. I want you to get involved in, in fixing something for the kingdom. And that's why we don't compete and, and fight with other churches because, because we're part of the global sea kingdom. We're advancing the kingdom of God globally. And so we need to understand that God is calling us to be team players, to get along with one another. Maybe sometimes we have personality conflicts and clashes, but God wants us to work it out with grace and love and kindness because there's a kingdom mission. And so God wants us to experience His flow in our lives but there's something that we need to do that is massive. For example, feeding the 20,000 hangry people. And Jesus says, I want you to feed them. Just like when God put the passion and the fire in our hearts to plant Next Level Church, uh, before that, we said, God, do something. Darkness is growing. Markham is falling apart. GTA is getting dark. Do something, God. God said, you do something. But uh, us? Like, which, which? I want you to feed them. I want you to go out and reach people for Christ and bring them closer. So I'm going to wrap up with three points. First point, we're going to look at three different responses. Three different responses to Jesus' request. And these three responses, I want you to ask yourself, which one of these options that uh, you respond with when God, when God calls on you? Some people respond, oh, there we go. Some people respond like Philip. Philip says, verse 7, we can't afford this. I get that a lot with, with a, uh, a church board or, we need to do this. We, actually, Pastor Am, she shut me down. And like, Be realistic. She has a lot of faith, but at the same time, she's very responsible. She said, we can't afford this. And that's what Philip says. Philip says, JC, you went to Bible college. Maybe you didn't take accounting course in Bible college. Uh, according to my calculation, we have five loaves and two fishes. And he's working out his uh, archaic uh, calculator. Uh, it's impossible. It costs too much. When God speaks to you about a need that he wants you to get involved in, what is your response? Is it, it's too much, Lord. You're asking too much from us. God, I can't afford this. When God speaks to you, 
First of all, you need to believe that God can speak to you. If you think that God cannot speak to you, that's a lie from the devil. And you need to repent and rebuke that and start believing God can speak to you. So when God speaks to you, what is your response? I can't do this. Or when God says, I want you to invest into your future. I want you to invest into your ministry. I want you to go on a mission trip. What is our response? Or if God says, I want you to go with Pastor D and M to ARC conference this June 6th and 7th in Calgary. When God speaks to you like that, what do you say? Oh God, I can't afford this. God, Calgary is far away. I need sick days for the days when I'm not sick. God, I can't afford this. How many of us tell God when you know God is saying, go do that? God, I can't afford this. Like Philip. Some people back off from Jesus if it'll cost them time or money. They'll say, I'm all in. Oh, can you come early to serve? Oh, I have this vague thing to do. Oh, can you go and do this? Oh, it's going to cost gas. Oh, God, I can't afford the... I can't afford it. I can't afford to serve. I can't afford to connect with people and community. It takes time. Well, you know what? Following Jesus is not a bed of roses. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes in, in, uh, intentionality. It takes hustle. I wonder how many of us are saying, God, I can't afford this. I'm too busy. But the only problem is, six months later, we feel lonely, we feel lost, we feel disconnected, we feel depressed, our faith is shaken, because there's unaccountability, and we said no to the calling of God for what He asked us to do right now. And we wonder why when the, when the vision of next level and the people in the next level are moving forward, but we're kind of left behind and we're like wondering, oh, how come they're so passionate? Like, why does Jonathan always show up like before eight o'clock and like serve like crazy? Like, why is he so passionate? get it I'm just going to watch the church online and then we wonder why we don't have passion it's because we're not willing to hustle we're disconnected it's because we haven't invested in the vision we haven't sacrificially served or given of our time because we thought we couldn't afford to be part of it but I can't afford to waste my life you just don't know how many days you have left the time is at hand Jesus is coming back he's Looking for laborers. And if somebody is overworking, we need to find a way to rearrange our priorities and step in there and do God's work together. Hallelujah. We're in this for the long run. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. I bring my kids to church because I believe God can do the extraordinary through my ordinary. Simple, consistent obedience leads to supernatural favor. That's the whole point. I hope you got that. Simple, consistent obedience leads to supernatural favor. And that's what we, all of us are after. And that's what you're longing for. Response number two. When Jesus asks you to do something. Response number two. We can't handle this. In other words, my capacity can't handle this big vision you have, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you want to feed 20,000 people? Okay, Jesus, cool. Who's cooking? Because I ain't. The way God grows your capacity is by you taking what you have and saying, God, this is all I got. If you can do something with it, if you can use me or use my lunch, Lord, take it and use it. Do it, Lord. It's for your kingdom. This is all I got. 
Use this to, to grow, to bless. If you can do it, Lord, do it. And do it again. But often we never get to that spot because we, we are overwhelmed, we're stressed out, we worry too much, we, we lack faith because we say, God, I can't handle this. The last response is from the little boy. And it's so remarkable the way he responds. When there was an extraordinary need and, 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 and he, he, didn't have, he didn't look like he had much resources, he looked at his lunch and like I said, he was maybe going to eat it. Maybe during Jesus' preaching, he was like, maybe I'll take a little bite of my little roti, little snack. You know, Jesus' preaching pretty long. It's getting dark. Or he could have gone to the corner. He's like, I don't want to share. I'm just going to just nibble. Just, I want to eat my lunch. I'm just, how many of you don't like to share your lunch? Come on. Come on. Three honest people, including myself. Like, take everything. But when I start eating, don't touch my food. I'll give you four wings. I'll eat one. But when I start eating that one, don't bug me. Pray for me. This boy could have gone to the corner and eaten his food. Nobody would have even questioned that. Or he could have sold it for a ridiculous price because now there was a, a supply and demand. There was a big demand. But he said, I cannot consume this. I cannot consume this. Sometimes God gives you a seed. You're looking for the fruit tree, but God gives you the seed. But we don't have the patience for planting and, and toiling and, and breaking the ground and watering and waiting and waiting it to bloom and get fruit. We're hungry. We're hangry. We eat the seed. Like, hmm, I ate it. I ate the seed. Not satisfied one day. Because we didn't want to give it to the Lord. But here he says, I can't consume this. Third point. It's a long sentence, like a paragraph, but this is the best way I could say it. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And everything that I got, every little thing that I got. The normal thing would be for him to consume it. But he gives it to God. This familiar lunch, maybe his mom makes the same lunch every day. Maybe he, he, he knows what's in the bag. It's familiar to him. It's normal to him. And he says, I can't consume this. Maybe this is something Jesus can use. What is that thing that you're like, okay, maybe God can do something with this. Because too many people think that the little that they have, God can never use that. And they think that there's no way that this can feed that. So I'll just consume it. Rather than realizing that this might be something God can work through. Rather than placing our, our crazy faith on God and saying, God, this is what I got. You are the God of multiplication. It's when you and I take what's in our hands and place it in the hands of Jesus. That's when the miracle starts to happen. That's when we begin to experience the, the flow, the supernatural flow. So let me, let me just be clear about what we mean by flow. Flow, it isn't what God gets to you, but it's what God gets through you. And I believe that God wants to flow through each and every one of you as you become a disciple. That's the word for the year. Check this. God didn't give you uh, uh, your talent so that you can just be talented. God didn't just give that to you so that you could do just, oh, I'm talented. Okay. No, there's more to it. He wants you to do something through it, through your talent, through the resource, through the gifting that he gave you. And reason he, he blessed you with a job is not just for you to just meet your needs and, uh, and have more than enough. It's not just for you. It's so that you can use 
whatever resource and finance and time and opportunity to give Him glory through you. Your influence, your popularity, God wants to use through you to reach people. In other words, God wants to use everything He gave you by you taking your lunch and placing it in His hands. You're saying, God, this is all I got. If you can do something with it, Lord, do it. As I wrap up, I want you to think one thing. This boy now gave it to Jesus. Jesus takes it in his hands. When does it multiply? Jesus blesses it and then he breaks it. The blessing is in the breaking. And in the hands of Jesus, this little five loaves and two little fishes starts to multiply to feed the multitude. Can you imagine how this boy would have felt? He's Maybe he's a little hungry. He's waiting his turn. And he sees Jesus getting everybody in groups, 50 and 100 seated. Sometimes we don't get the blessing because we don't want to be organized. We don't want to be, what? I'm free. I only believe in the New Testament. Like, no, I don't want, I don't want to be in a connect group. What is this connect group? I don't connect no people. That hurt my feelings. Jesus organizes them in connect groups. Small groups. You guys here, you guys here, you guys here. God is calling order into our lives. He wants us to be rooted and planted, but also connected together. Because we're one another's brother and sister's keeper. And so imagine the boy's feeling. What he gave to Jesus, now it's feeding a multitude. How amazing is that? How would you feel if your little lunch was used to feed a multitude? Jesus does the miracle and the boy is watching this, how Jesus is multiplying it. Everyone ate and there was overflow because this boy gave his lunch to Jesus. This is so amazing because Jesus didn't do the miracle all by himself. He used the little boy's sacrificial giving to do this miracle. This boy gave his lunch. So this morning I want to ask you as I wrap up, what is the lunch? What is that thing that you can give to Jesus? At the end of the, uh, end of the book, John says, everyone there began to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. So this miracle didn't only feed people physically, but also spiritually. Because now people's faith has risen. And they all believed that Jesus is he, who he said he was. Not because Jesus did something by himself, but because God used an ordinary boy who gave his ordinary lunch to do a supernatural work, an extraordinary work. So I'm sure the boy was in awe. He was full of wonder because he knew that God used what he had in his hands. And I'm sure he, his eyes started sweating. When I was preparing this message, my eyes started sweating because we underestimate what we have when God has called you for greatness, to walk humbly with your God so that He can lift you up. But what's, what's sad is that a lot of people never experience what this boy experienced. And if that's you, it's not because God cannot move through you or because God doesn't love you because you messed up. It's none of those reasons. Because some of us have tricked ourselves and we've allowed the enemy to, to, to make us believe that we don't qualify for God to move supernaturally in our lives. What if God is just waiting for you to take that one step that thing that you've been overlooking, that ordinary thing and place it in his hand and say, Lord, if you can do anything, use me, use this. God, I give you. You know the song we used to sing? 
Lord, I give you my heart. Come on, if you know what, sing with me. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake. Lord, have your way in me. Yes, if God can do something in your life through that little, would you say yes to Him? Everything that you are, everything that you have, would you surrender it to Him this morning? So as I close, stand with me. What is your lunch? Would you dedicate this year to God? Would you dedicate this day, this month to God? Because what you have is not ordinary in God's eyes. It is fuel. It is soil that God can use to bring something extraordinary. Today, would you open up your hands and say, God, it's yours. Lord, I release it. Jesus, I give it into your hands. And then when you start seeing what the Lord does with it, you'll be so strengthened, so encouraged. You'll have a story to tell others, to inspire them. Because you know that if it wasn't for the Lord, there would be no way that that would have happened. See, the flow of God is not just something trying to get to you, but God wants to get through you. God didn't create you to be a lake. He created you to be a river. He doesn't want you to just stock it up and, har and harbor it and, and be a, a dam, like co connect, collect it. But He wants you to be a, a river of His flow. He wants to move through you. He wants to trust you so that what He brings to you, He can bring through you. As you pray right now before we close, God, do something with my life. I want that to be a hard cry. Don't just come to church for an inspirational message or tune in, tune in on YouTube to just get... No, God wants to do something in your life. God, if you can do it, I give it to you. That's what this little boy did. God, I want the faith of this little boy. He gave to Jesus what was in his hands. That's the way it works in God's kingdom. Little becomes much in the hands of God. Let me say that again. Little becomes much in the hands of God. You're, you're tithing. There were times I put $4 when I was working part-time. I had nothing. I made $40 that week. I put $4. And I'm like, what is this going to do? But over time, I saw how God led me and provided for me and blessed me. How He opened doors that I didn't qualify for. How you bless me with, with, with resources. Lord, if you can do anything, use me. So many times we try to do things on our own and we stretch, stretch ourselves and stress ourselves and we get overwhelmed and, and we try to lean on our ability and, and power and understanding. We try to figure it out. No, we place what we have in His hands. And the little becomes much. Some of you might not feel talented or, or good enough or whatnot, but God wants to use you to bring others closer to Him. This morning, all it takes is for your yes to give your lunch to Him. I don't have much, God, but I give it to you so you can use me to bring your glory. 
And then watch what God can do in your life. God wants to take the ordinary. And with this touch, with this blessing, with this timing, He will turn your ordinary into extraordinary. Hallelujah. Father, I pray, God, that you would continue to speak to your children, even on their way home. Give them further revelation about this story of how you can take the little and turn it into much extraordinary blessing. Not just for us to see, but for the multitude. Lord, I thank you that you've called us to be a generational church. You've called us to be a church not only for the city, but for the nation. Father, let's not be inwardly looking and living selfishly to wanting to meet our needs, but let us be outwardly looking. So Father, I bless everyone that, that signed up for the Ignite course and going through that because we want to get better at reaching people without being weird or awkward. We want to be true, effective vessels. God, maybe we don't have everything together, but together we have it all. I know that's corny. With you, we have it all. And with you, we can do all things. So Father, help us to be rooted and planted and committed. Holy Spirit, speak to your children. I'm going to wrap up right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you reveal Jesus to us. Help us to love people the way you do, God. Help us to serve them the way you do. Help us to give you our lunch so that you can do something, not just in us, but through us. Let us live for your glory and let our eyes see and experience your favor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give God some praise.